Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. This is your host, Joel Dover, and welcome to Season 3. Hey, we study Bible prophecy here from a dispensational, pre-tribulational, premillennial point of view, and we're always rapture ready. Grab your copy of God's Word and let's jump in together to see what the Lord has for us here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. Well, hi friends, it's so good to be with you again here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. I'd like to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and let's take our Bibles together to Revelation chapter 10. We are making great progress through the book of Revelation and I'm excited to be studying this together again with you here in the new year. We've just been finishing a study in chapter 8 and chapter 9 where we learned that with the breaking of the seventh seal comes the revelation of a second set of judgments, the trumpet judgments. And we took some time to work through those in some detail and to learn about the uh, outpouring of this second of four sets of judgments. Remember, there are four judgment cycles in the book of Revelation, three of which we have details about, and then one judgment cycle, of course, that the Lord uh, will pour out, but John was instructed not to write any of the details about the thunder judgments, those things which he had seen, of course, in uh, in that particular part of his revelation. But what's so interesting is we continue to think through the structure of the book of Revelation is that we're seeing a pattern begin to emerge. If you will just take your Bible and just click back, if you will, to chapter 6, we see the end of chapter 6 uh, finish with the breaking of the sixth seal, cosmic disturbances, and then there is an interlude in the text between the breaking of the sixth and seventh seal. So during that interlude, the Israelites are sealed. There are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, 144,000 sealed out of the nation of Israel. And then there's a great multitude from the tribulation of both uh, Jewish and Gentile believers, of course. And then in chapter 8, we see the breaking of the seventh seal. So I just want to point out to you this interlude that's there because we're going to see the same thing, that very same structure emerge right here in chapter 10. Throughout chapter 8 and chapter 9, as we were studying the trumpet judgments, we unpacked the first six of those. But now as we come to the end of chapter 9 and to the beginning of chapter 10, we're seeing a second interlude in the judgment cycles. So now we're going to be seeing uh, John's revelation of another angel, a mighty angel who has a little book. John, of course, eats that little book. And then the revelation witnesses, the two witnesses are unveiled for us. Uh, They are killed, of course, brought back to life. And then at the end of chapter 11, we actually see the the blowing of the seventh trumpet, which is the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So I just want to point out to you that when we're studying the book of Revelation, it's important to pick up on these thematic elements. Of course, we want to dig into what it says, but we also want to look at how it's written. We want to look at the structure of the book because there are cues there for us that help us to to pattern the book, that help us to wrap our minds around the content uh, that is here. So let's jump into chapter 10. Let's see what the Lord has for us today as we begin to talk about the mighty angel with the little book. In verse 1, the Bible reads, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from the heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. What an interesting appearance of this mighty angel that John now sees in the Revelation. He comes, the Bible says, from heaven. He's been in the presence of the Lord. He's been there, presumably, in the throne room of God, which is the setting of a portion of John's Revelation here, of course. And the Bible says that he's clothed with a cloud. I want you to let your sanctified imagination carry away with you just a moment and imagine what it might look like to be clothed with a cloud. We presume um, the whiteness of a cloud. There's a rainbow on his head. 
His face was like the sun. That's so interesting. S-U-N, bright, shining like the sun. His feet were like pillars of fire. So his feet were on fire. Just, again, allow your imagination to conceive of his appearance here as seen by John. In verse 2, the Bible says he had a little book open in his right hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, we mentioned the uh, thunder judgments just a moment ago, and here we're seeing them emerge again uh, following this pattern in the, the unveiling of the seventh trumpet. So think back about the breaking of the seventh seal. The seventh seal was the unveiling of the seven trumpets. Now the seventh, the seventh trumpet is the unveiling of the thunder judgments, which we're not going to really see or learn a lot about. This particular book uh, that comes down, it appears to be a book of judgment. The mighty angel comes down, he sets one foot on the sea, he sets his uh, right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land, and this little book is in his hand when he comes down. And I want you to notice that the book is open here. Verse 2 is clear about that. The Bible says he had a little book open in his hand. And so he comes from heaven, he puts his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land, this, this, this open book is now in his hand, and presumably the contents are the contents of the thunder judgments. In verse 3, as we continue to read, the Bible tells us that he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Again, use your imagination to uh, fathom in your mind what that might have sounded like uh, with the uh, massive roar of this mighty angel. When he cried out, the Bible says seven thunders uttered their voices. There were seven thunders that now crack in the sky. But here's what's interesting. We don't learn about the seven thunders. The Bible says here in uh, verse 4, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. So John, you know, he, he understands the judgment. John knows what the thunders are about. He was about to write this down just as the Lord had commanded him to do in this entire book way back in uh, Revelation chapter 1. In verse 19, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall take place after this. But now as John is about to write this down, the scripture says, But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel, verse 5, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, that is by God, of course, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the, the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, verse 7, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he, as he declared to his servant to his servants, the prophets. So again, John hears the seven thunders utter their voices. He's about to write these things when he is commanded by the voice of heaven not to write them. This is an exception. The Lord had said, write the things down which you're going to see. But now when we get to the thunder judgments, the voice calls from heaven and says, don't write this portion. This is a mystery. Seal this up. This is not to be shared with the churches of, uh, of Asia Minor here, these seven churches. Don't write it up. And so it's possible that what we're reading here, and I think probable, is a fourth set of judgments, as I've mentioned. I'll call them the thunder judgments. And of course, it fits the pattern. If you think about the angelic pronouncement, the interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, the final trumpet connected to a series of seven more judgments, uh, it just fits the same pattern that we're seeing about the unfolding of and revelation of particular new judgments um, that we've seen so far in the book of Revelation. Now, here's what we know. We know, based on what we're reading here in chapter 10, we know that we don't know everything. 
And I think that's really important. Friends, I've mentioned to you many times before, especially in the the area of eschatology, when we talk about end-time studies, we need to bring a tremendous amount of humility to the discussion, understanding that good Christians who really, truly love Jesus, who are heaven-bound, born-again, spirit-filled Christians, often read these things and come to different conclusions about them. And so we need to bring some humility to the table in this discussion. We can have our convictions, yes, and we should, but we need to speak those convictions forth with humility. And chapter 10 reminds us of one of the reasons why. We don't know everything. Friends, there are things that God has hidden from us. And we can be assured, because God is good, that these things are hidden for good reason. And and it may very well be that this is the Lord's way, just think about it, of concealing his final plans from Satan. We don't know, because it's interesting, in verse 7, the Bible speaks of the mystery being finished, and we'll, we'll get into the proclamation here in just a moment, but who knows if the Lord is concealing some of the things from us, because he's also concealing them, his final plans for Satan. Well, the angel sets his feet on the land and the sea, and so this particular set of thunder judgments, although we don't know the contents, it would seem that they um, affect both sea creatures, sea life, uh, and land creatures, land life. That is, um, you know, both the sea and the land, as we've seen in previous uh, judgment cycles. And the seven voices, the seven thunders, they voiced as the angel cried out. It's To me, in my sanctified imagination, it's almost like a call and a response image. And so the the, the likely picture is that the little book contains the written record of the seven thunder judgments, uh, which, are, of course, are going to remain a mystery to us at this time. And as the angel cries out, each thunder judgment responds in sequence. Uh, again, following the pattern of the judgments of Revelation, we saw the seven seals broken in sequence, the seven trumpets blown in sequence, now the seven thunders. We would expect those to follow the same pattern as well, uh, being um, you know thundered forth, sounded forth, uh, one at a time in sequence. Okay, let's get back into some things we can know. Verse 5, 6, and 7, this is so interesting. As the angel makes the proclamation, he raises up his hand, his right hand towards heaven, and he he swears by the one who lives forever and ever and ever, that is God Almighty, who created heaven and all things in it, the sea and all things in it. Again, there's uh, heaven and sea and earth uh, right there together, that there should no longer be any delay. Now, this is a very important statement in our Revelation understanding. When we come across a statement like this, uh, there should no longer be any delay. Something, you know, that tells us something has been delayed. And so we ought to be asking the question, what is being delayed? What has been delayed up to this point? And verse 7 bears out that answer. In the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, that is the seventh trumpet, which hasn't yet blown. We'll see that in chapter 11. But when he is about to sound, he's preparing to sound here. The Bible said through this mighty angel, this, this angel with the little book, he says that the mystery of God would be finished. So As soon as he uh, blows the seventh trumpet, this is the finishing of the mystery of God, apparently. And uh, here's some things we can deduce. We can deduce that there have been some things spoken in mystery in the past. The Bible says the mystery currently is not finished, but will be finished. It is finished in the days of the blowing of the seventh trumpet. And it is, you know, punctuated by the name of God. The angel swears uh, by God Almighty that the delay of its completion should be no more. Now, when the Bible says that this mystery was previously declared to his servants, the prophets, that ought to cause us to go back to the Old Testament and the New Testament and to think about those things which have been revealed. What are the the, the mystery passages, if you will, that have been revealed? So let me give you an example. 
In the parable of the sower from Mark chapter 4, in verse 11, the Bible says, And he said to them, To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. In Romans chapter 16, verse 25 to 27, let's consider another passage. The Bible says in that text, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 to 12, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us, listen, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worked all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. A couple of more here. This is important. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me, listen, the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God to me by the effective working of his power. And one more, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, 3, and 4. Continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. Listen, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So, friends, what I'm saying is when we read here in uh, Revelation chapter 10 about the mystery being completed, uh, we ask the question, what is the mystery? Well, we go back and search the rest of the scriptures to see how that term is used elsewhere in the uh, scripture. And so the mystery is the message of the gospel. And so here's what I want you to know. The message of the gospel isn't finished yet. The gospel is still very much powerful, still very much at work in the world, but there's coming a day when the mystery of the gospel will be completed. And the Bible indicates that the gospel is completed in the days of the seventh trumpet. God is still trying to save mankind. Even in the tribulation period, God is trying to save mankind. Someone said that the tribulation period, the outpouring of God's wrath in these amazing and powerful, unusual ways, was God's last ditch effort to show the world himself, to show the world his power to, uh, of course, uh, bring conviction over sin in hopes that men and women everywhere might turn from their sins and be saved. Yes, even in the tribulation. Now, I believe the church is raptured out at the beginning of the tribulation. But friends, as I've described to you many times, there will be many people saved in the tribulation period. Many of the husbands who will not go to church right now when the rapture takes place will go to their wife's bedside, pick up her Bible, and turn to the end of the book and begin to read the scriptures and be saved. It's not like all the Bibles get raptured out. No, the Word of God still remains even in the tribulation. And we'll see here in just a few moments in chapter 11, which we probably won't get to today, but next time, chapter 11, we'll see the 
Two witnesses began to speak uh, forth of the gospel, and there's a great gospel proclamation in the time of the tribulation. So many will be saved. Those of uh, Israel will be saved. Many, uh, The multitude of the Gentiles will be saved. A lot of people saved in the tribulation. But listen, the gospel has an expiration date. There'll be a point at which uh, no one else can be saved. There'll be a point at which it's done. The, the mystery of the gospel will be wrapped up. It'll be concluded, and then we'll enter into the kingdom age. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're not going to get into chapter 11 today, but I want you to just take a glance at chapter 11 and look over at verse 15. This is the beginning of the kingdom age. The Bible says, listen, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so, friends, the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ is alive and well today. It will be alive and well during the tribulation. God will still be saving men and women through faith in Jesus Christ. But there's an expiration date on the preaching of the gospel, an expiration date on the opportunity for men and women to hear the gospel and to respond by following Jesus. The gospel will be preached to every creature, and then the Bible says the end will come, Matthew 24, 14. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, let's continue. Verse 8, we're going to go all the way through the chapter, four more verses here. We see the voice speaks to John again. The Bible says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven, this is the same one that told him not to speak, not to write the thunder judgments uh, that are contained in the little book, right? That same voice speaks to John again and says, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. Verse 9, So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Verse 10, that I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. So John, according to the instruction of the voice that comes from heaven, he approaches the little angel, he takes the book, the angel gives him the instruction to take it and eat it with the promise that it will taste sweet as honey as you put it in your mouth, but it will make your stomach bitter, it will turn your stomach sour. Here's a clue. From Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. The Bible in that passage says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he calls me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. And then, you know, I think it's very interesting that John takes this in. The contents of the book, you know, taste sweet to the mouth, bitter to the stomach. I think uh, there is a, a bittersweet, a bittersweet realization in that God is working, God is pouring out uh, the end of all things, that we're coming to the end of the gospel, we're coming to the kingdom age. That's a sweet taste, right? That's the sweet taste. But the bitterness of judgment from the contents of the book, turns his stomach as he thinks about the implications for humanity. All right, my friend, verse 11, let's take a look at that, and then we'll finish the chapter. And he said to me, this is the same voice, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. 
Well, there's a commissioning that takes place here. Uh, He's been prophesying, of course. He's been doing the work of the ministry. But the voice says to John, you must prophesy again. And your prophecy is going to be about many nations, peoples, tongues, and kings. It's a commission. John is going to go and preach. But John is not going to preach the contents of the little book. That's been sealed up. That is not for us to know. Uh, this is a um, another mystery, if you will, that will be revealed in the end times, in the tribulation period. We don't know everything, my friends. But John will go out to preach the gospel. And he's going to preach the gospel in response to the coming judgments and the finalization of the things of God. So I want you to realize when the Bible says here that John's going to go out and preach uh, to nations, peoples, tongues, and kings, that the message that John is preaching is not just for the church It is not just for saved people. It's not just for a specific nation. It's not just for a specific empire. John was to preach this prophecy to the entire world. I believe it's the gospel. And of course, the gospel, my friends, is for all people in all places and in every nation. Well, I want to thank you for being with us here as we've looked at Revelation chapter 10. Next time, we'll get into Revelation chapter 11. Again, we're still in the interlude between the blowing of the sixth and the seventh trumpets. And we've seen the seven thunder judgments here now sealed up. We don't know the contents of the judgments, but we know there's more judgment than what is mentioned here in the book of Revelation and what's spelled out for us. So next time we'll get into chapter 11. We'll meet the two witnesses and we'll read about the proclamation of the gospel throughout the entire world in the tribulation period. Just a beautiful, beautiful uh, attempt of God to share the gospel again globally into every tribe, tongue, and nation according to the prophecy that has been revealed to John. Friends, I want to thank you for listening to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. I wonder if there's someone in your life who would enjoy this kind of Bible teaching. Maybe you could share this with a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, maybe a small group leader, a family member, a co-worker, or a dear sweet friend. We sure would appreciate you helping us to get the word out about this kind of Bible teaching. And as always, we're approaching end times prophecy from a pre-tribulational, premillennial, dispensational, expositional, rapture-ready point of view. God bless you. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast.